I'm Sienna Duncan, and you're listening to the Alligator Podcast Roundup of this semester's special edition, Where We Stand. Reporters took a look at how climate change and the environment have affected the University of Florida, Gainesville, and the surrounding area. First up, Metro reporter Claire Grindelwald talks about her process digging into the city's history of climate activism. What was the process like gathering the information for this story? So I would say it was a pretty intense, research-heavy process. Um, It started off with reaching out to the journalism school librarian, April Hines, and who helped redirect me to the UF Smathers Library. And with their help, I was able to go through the digital and the paper archives to look back into the stories that were from the previous century, which might not have been updated online. And then after going through those archives, mainly the process included going through the alligators, digital and paper archives, and just looking through all of the stories and movements reported on from the alligator over the past 50 years. Wow, okay. Um, So which of those movements jumped out to you the most as you were researching? I would say the movement that jumped out at me the most was probably in the 1990s, the Friends of Lake Alice movement, just because that movement was over a decade long, which is very impressive and was very interesting to read about. And that movement for the Lake Alice movement is not just defined by that one protest. There's been fights and movements for to conserve and preserve Lake Alice over 50 years. So it was really interesting reading how many movements were dedicated just to preserving Lake Alice. But the one in 1990 was just very impressive to read about how these people um, protested for over a decade. So that was really cool to hear about. Gotcha. Yeah. And so on a broader scale, what are some of the commonalities you've seen over the course of Gainesville's climate activism? So I would say that the most common denominator throughout the history of climate change, environmental activism in Alachua County is that there has consistently always been a passion to preserve the environment in Alachua County. That's always existed, even going back to last century. It's always been there, but the way it's gone about has changed over time. You know, in the 1990s when they protested for Lake Alice, you know, they had hundreds of pages of petitions that were signed in person. But now when you look at this past decade, it's changed into using social media to create online petitions and the way that social media and technology has changed the course of activism is really evident in this timeline. But there's always been a passion to preserve the environment. It's always been in Alachua County. It's always been here. But the way people have gone about it has changed over time. And I would also say that Climate change activism is relatively new to the area just because people weren't aware of climate change and its impacts. Last century, it's now like it was always like an education issue or people weren't as aware as they are now. So climate change protests and movements have become very popular over the past like 10 years. And that was very new to the area. Next up, University Administration reporter Elisa Gary talks about UF's plans to do its part in mitigating climate change and how it compares to the past. My first question for you is, what did the UF Office of Sustainability have to say when you talked to them? Well, they were really excited to tell me, first and foremost, about the second version of the climate action uh, plan, 
Um, the first version they wrote up in 2009, and ever since then they've been crossing stuff on, off the list, um, updating, changing for the times, and now they seem close to finishing the second version, which will go before President Sass at some point soon-ish, hopefully. Gotcha. So what have been some setbacks so far? Because I was reading your story and it kind of seemed like there were a couple things that have kept the plan from being set in motion. Right. So first of all, it seemed like it, the, the plan happened to finish at the same time that we were changing power at the university. So from President Fox to President Sass. Um, and this turned out to be a little bit of an issue only because it's uh, the, the timing is strange. You can't present the plan to the president who's on his way out and the one who's on his way in needs to settle down, gotcha. you know, settle in. Um, so the timing is a little strange to get it approved and like, you know, really set it in motion. Um, and then in the years sort of since um, we started taking climate action. So like since 2006-ish, um, there have been a couple of good things and bad things. So we had promised to reach zero waste by 2015, I want to say, but that just fell through. And that's not to say that we didn't, you know, reduce our waste or, you know, get offsets and divert waste to, you know, other places. But, um, you know, some of the goals were a little ambitious. Another goal we're coming up on is uh, carbon neutrality by 2025. You know, that's in two years. And as far as, under, as far as I understand, they're in the process of buying offsets and making that a reality. Um, but it is a very short deadline. So come 2025, we'll see what happens. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that was going to be my third question. Yeah. What is UF planning for the future? So did they talk about any sort of specifics about how they might reach that goal by 2025? Yeah. So, uh, of course, there's the carbon neutrality goal. And um, I, one of my sources uh, over at the Office of Sustainability, Liz Storn, she, um, she basically said, look, there's no way that we're going to just cut off all of our emissions by you know, in two years. That's just not realistic. But one of the ways that we can, you know, reduce, you know, our total carbon or whatever, our net carbon, um, and, you know, become technically neutral is by buying offsets, which means that we pay to get a carbon credit from somebody else, and we're allowed to spend however much carbon we buy. That's to say we can, like, emit, you know, let's say we buy two credits worth of carbon, just as an example. Mm -hmm. We can spend, like we can emit two credits worth of carbon on the campus, but we paid to be using that carbon. So some other company that sold us those credits or some other you know, agency, whatever, that sold us those credits, they are reducing their emissions by two credits. The net carbon is ultimately reduced and that's one way that we can reach neutrality without technically being, you know, zero emissions. But at some point in the other future, in the <laughs> later future, past 2025, the goal is to be zero carbon emissions, period. Now here's Aubrey Bocalon with investigative reporter Alessandra Enzina. 
Alessandra wrote a story about local concerns that UF won't be able to meet its 2025 carbon neutrality goal. The university plans to work towards this goal by building a new power plant. Hi, Alessandra. So can you just explain to us a little bit about what the Central Energy Plant is and what it means for UF? Yeah, so the Central Energy Plant is a $235 million combined heat and power energy plant that is going to begin construction uh, here on campus uh, this year. Gotcha. So what were some of the reactions from the UF community? You talked to a couple of different people. Tell me a little bit about that. Right. So the the reaction from the Office of Sustainability is that they are excited to start this plant. They It will reduce emissions by 25%. It will... Uh, we will be producing our own steam and a majority of our electricity. And that is something to be excited about. But for climate scientists and activists, this is something that they don't want. They don't want us to be reliant on natural gases for another 30 years, 25 to 30 years. I know there is another story that uh, was written by Lisa about you know, revamping the climate action plan. How is your story, um, what, how does it show a different side of that? Yeah, my story delves into the our carbon neutrality goals, which are in the midst of being revamped or recommitted to, um, as said in, in Elisa's uh, story. So basically, I'm just delving into who thinks that we're going to make it to that lofty goal. Um, and 2025 is less than two years away. Uh, the university is confident that they will meet their 2025 goals, and there are a couple ways that they can do that, but in, in terms of what experts and scientists at the university think, at the university and beyond, they are not confident at all that UF will, will reach uh, their carbon neutrality goal by 2025. Last, we'll hear from assistant sports editor Jackson Reyes, who looked into the effect of climate change and rising temperatures on UF sports. Well, Jackson, it's great to have you here. So I just have a couple of questions. So first of all, how has climate change, you know, been affecting Alachua County? Right. So what we've seen is, you know, numbers observed by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. They basically compared different periods. So from 1981 to 2010, then changing those, the, the new normals from 1991 to 2020, we've seen a rise of about 4.7 degrees Fahrenheit in the average daily mean temperature. So obviously we've seen Lodger County has always been a hotter place because of the Florida, because of the climate. And now that's just increased even more over time. And, you know, really where we're seeing that is, you know, with these sporting venues, which was so interesting to me because, you know, the swamp is known for being a very hot place. Now we're seeing it get even hotter over time. Gotcha. So then what does that exactly mean for gator sports well the biggest thing you know it means for gator sports especially these uh, outdoor sports is just you know the safety of the players you know for their health because more so than anything you know with these increased temperatures um we might see more incidents of heat related illnesses such as you know most commonly like heat stroke things like that and obviously the more the hotter it gets these football players in particular wearing all this padding they're going to be really susceptible to you know heat strokes and a study done by preventative medicine in 2013 found that football players were 11 times more likely to get a heat stroke 
versus all other sports combined. So, you know, as temperatures in Alachua County continue to rise, you know, that chance of heat stroke is just going to get even worse. So then what exactly are officials planning to do about it? So with the people I've talked to, um, the biggest thing is just being prepared because looking at the studies and, you know, what they've seen is obviously trying to do whatever we can to reduce greenhouse emissions and do the best we can to reduce climate change. But ultimately, looking at the current projections, it's still going to be rising temperature-wise. Um, obviously, that rate is going to decrease if emissions are you know, reduced, but regardless, we're still seeing a slight rise. And so the biggest thing is just staying prepared, you know, being able to have the right staff numbers and the right uh, materials in use to be able to treat heat strokes. And I even talked to Dr. James Cluxton, who's one of the primary care physicians for UF and their athletic department. And he talked about how he's noticed or he has not necessarily noticed an increase because they are so well prepared because having things such as tubs that can cool the players down on site, having adequately staffed uh, medical teams on site is so crucial to reducing that heat stroke. So going forward, um, just being able to have these procedures in place and precautions in place is gonna be more vital than anything else, really, to protect you know the safety of the players as temperatures increase. Thank you so much for joining us for this semester's special edition on climate change, Where We Stand. To read these stories and more, visit our website at alligator.org and go to our specials tab on our homepage, or pick up a newspaper in one of those orange boxes you see around the city.